I guess start at the beginning. Where have you been in your life? It's quite a long list. I'll just name the cities. So just kind of, we can just go over it very fast. So I was born in Taipei, Taiwan. My family relocated to Etobicoke, Ontario, which is like a suburb of um, Toronto. Um, after that, I was briefly in Queens, New York, and then Honolulu, Hawaii for 10 years, San Francisco for a brief period of time, uh, Shanghai, I was working as a real estate agent there. Uh, then Montreal, Canada, and then Vancouver, Canada. Uh, Berlin for a year, Lisbon for a year, and now I'm in LA. Alex Zung Hung Tai has been drifting for a long time. How's that life been? I mean, as an adult now, like I, I appreciate that. But obviously, when you're when you're a kid, it's the most horrible thing that can happen to you. It's just kind of be kicked around like a ball, you know. I mean, what was the reasons? Why were you? Why was your family moving so often? Uh, it's just like family dramas. So I had to be looked after by like my uncle or my cousin or my aunt and so forth. So you get the drift. I don't need to go into details. He's a man of few words. For nine years, Alex created a soundtrack for the life of the lonely wanderer under the name Dirty Beaches. Until late last fall when he announced, abruptly, that Dirty Beaches would release its last album. Afterwards, Alex packed up his gear, got on a plane, and moved to Los Angeles. I don't know. It was really weird because I haven't put my name down on a lease for like over five years now. Did that make it like harder to find a place to live? Yeah, definitely. Because I had to always print out my bank statement because they were like, what do you do for a living? And I'm like, oh, self-employed musician. <laughs> and they were like, I happen to know some people out there, and one of them is a premier sound recordist. So, I'm, my name is Loren Alvarado, and I, I guess I'd consider myself an artist. In radio, a tape sync is where each person is recorded separately while talking on the phone. Being a low-budget production, Stories About Music has had to rely on these for the past few episodes. Being a no-budget production, we've also had to rely on musicians who know how to mic themselves. But not this time. My name is Brendan Maddox, and you're listening to Stories About Music, a new podcast on the subjects of music, journalism, and memoir, and how the line between those three things is often not as clear as I'd hoped. I met Lorena in college. She was studying film. I'm from Venezuela. I grew up in Caracas. I lived there until I was 18, and then I went to school in Boston. Things weren't and aren't great in Caracas right now. The economy is on the floor. There's a lot of violence and insecurity, so really anyone could get murdered or kidnapped or mugged. And it's just sort of permeated to overall, like even if you're not involved in politics, everyone is affected by it. But she couldn't stay in Los Angeles much longer either. The U.S. government has been especially tight in issuing the H-1B specialized worker visa to graduated international students. Last year, the number of approved editors for film and video? Six, according to the Foreign Labor Certification Data Center. 
Since moving out there, Lorena has been studying graphic design at UCLA. Right now, since I'm a student, I'm good until my program ends. But then I either have to find a job that'll sponsor me, which is pretty difficult, or there's like a couple other visa options, but it's definitely, it's not the easiest thing. And it was at this moment that I asked her to do me a favor. So no matter the weather, wherever you are, sit back and follow us on a journey that begins in the eternal summer of Los Angeles. This is story about music number three, Alex and Lorena. I sent Lorena to meet Alex Hongtai at his apartment in El Sedeño, on a hill at the eastern edge of LA. Actually, the first thing I thought was that it looked a lot like Caracas. Caracas is all valleys, so houses are in between hillsides, and the architecture was just very similar. So immediately as I was driving towards his house, I had this image or deja vu of being back home. He invited her up to the patio, where they could sit in the sun, and from where they could see the skyscrapers downtown. Meanwhile, in Pennsylvania, I sat in the little office next to my bedroom, watching the wind shake the trees outside in the late winter sunlight, and wondering what the hell was taking so long. Yeah, we actually talked a lot about what a lot of his work is about, which is feeling torn between two places and two cultures and not feeling like you belong anywhere and fractured identity. Did you guys just um, jump right into that after you got there? Was that just like, hey, I'm Alex, do you like some coffee? So how about the diaspora? Well, no, we didn't jump into it. We sort of like introduced each other and talked about like LA and the sunshine and how nice it was and him telling me, you know, winter in Berlin was horrible. And that transitioned into me telling him where I was from. And I guess that naturally transitioned into that conversation. It was pretty quick. Alex's life since 2011 has been one long tour. And in a way, his life before that was one long tour as well. At the very least, it's a far cry from the stable childhoods Lorena and I had as ethnic majorities. If you could have had that kind of life, do you think that you would have preferred it? No, that's a very good question, actually. Like, obviously, I'm really, really envious of people who can say and have these claims to, you know, where they're from. Like... I meet some people and they'll be like, yo, Detroit, born raised. <laughs> you know, and I don't have that. You know? <laughs> I don't have that. And I can't stress enough the difference that exclusive club makes on the psyche. Our families came from the countries where we grew up, lived in the same metro area for the majority of our young years, where everybody else was also a longtime citizen. In a word, we belonged. Alex grew up around North America, usually in neighborhoods filled with first and second generation kids like himself. There's a lot of people I've met growing up, and we all have the same problem. It's like, you were born, let's say, point B, and then your parents, which are from point A, they keep telling you, like, no, point A is your homeland, point A is your motherland, you know? This is who you are, this is who you're supposed to be. And then when you actually go back to point A, and all these people are telling you, like, no, you're not one of us. Like you're 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 from point B. <laughs> that creates like a weird shocking reality, you know. 
Alex has played music since he was a teenager, but the events that set him on a collision course with Lorena and I began in his early 20s, after he dropped out of college in Hawaii to be a full-time musician. His visa expired. He ended up homeless in Vancouver for a couple months. And finally, he gave up and called for help. His parents had settled in Shanghai, so he moved there to be with them. He took a job in real estate. He didn't last very long. Within a year, Alex had quit his job and moved to Montreal to make music again. Has it been easy to live off music? It feels great now. Uh, it's a lot of hard work. and It was a lot of hard work for 10 years, working in a restaurant and doing minimum wage jobs, and everyone is younger than you, you know? I had like 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, and then hitting 30, and all your coworkers are like 19 or 21, you know? It's not, it's not a good feeling. And you go on tour and you don't make any money and instead you max out your credit card, come back home like minus 250 bucks or something, you know? A lot of times you ask yourself, like, why am I doing this? You know? And what was your answer to that when you would ask yourself? It's the only thing I know how to do. It's the only thing I love doing. I made more money like working in real estate, but I was like suicidal every day. He had a slow build-up for the first full record, and while it's difficult to characterize the early work as this or that, one thing that it all had in common is that it sounds haunted, coated with that analog sheen that old recordings have. There are a lot of reference points, if that's your sort of thing. Proto-punk electronic music like Suicide, or some of the no-wave bands from New York in the 70s. But it also reminds me of the rock music that came out of Asian countries in the middle of last century. This was back when the U.S. cultural hegemony was alive and well. After rock and roll conquered the world, its icons and its style left a huge impression on Japan, Taiwan, China, pre-Khmer Cambodia, and Indonesia. Alex's first album is Dirty Beaches, Badlands, sounds like a close cousin to those recordings, a document of the tensions between that history and his own. Being like a North American kid and Asian, you only see Asian characters, you know, playing like people who work at grocery stores or like laundromats or like kung fu dudes hired as a comic relief you know making fun of yourself in hollywood movies as a teenager alex fell in love with the films of wong kar wai the hong kong auteur who makes films about outlaws drifters and people at the edge of polite society i came across wong kar wai and there was like all these people that look like me longing for a place or moving to a place and they're like smoking they actually look fucking cool. They're not, they're not like derogatory caricatures, you know? You can see that vision reflected on the cover of Badlands. Alex looks like a Dion from hell, in a plaid shirt, his hair slicked back, his face distorted by cigarette smoke. It would be easy, as an outsider, to chalk all that up to aesthetics or a simple matter of taste. It's a lot more um, complicated than most people think. It's not really an academic thing, you know? But it's, it's more like a personal emotional choice in a way that's that's my way of trying to reach out to my dad a lifetime ago before alex's father settled down and took his own job in real estate 
He sang lead in a doo-wop cover band. He looked like that in his teens. But he hated like the experimental music that I did. You know? he, just, he just knows that I'm not going to be able to support myself living this life. They've had a strained relationship at times, at least partially over Alex's career choices. To prove him wrong, like I made music that he could understand. You know, this kind of old oldies, like 50s rockabilly stuff that he loved when he was a kid. So I was basically playing my dad and touring as my dad, you know, fulfilling something that he couldn't achieve when he was when he was a kid. After that, I got lucky, you know, like the album got some attention and I quit my day job and it was that album, you know, that album that I tried to reach out to my dad that helped me, you know, get to this place. But during interviews, obviously, this is a really boring thing to talk about, you know, when they like, who are you, Dirty Beaches? Tell us more about yourself. And I don't want to go into like a 20 minute, uh, you know, mental breakdown about me trying to reconnect with my dad, you know. <laughs> It's not, it's not something that I guess is easy to, to relive over and over from place to place as you meet journalists. Yeah, and I don't want to tell that story every time people ask me that, you know. Now, now I have some distance from it. It's been three or four years. I feel like it's okay to talk about it now. Did retelling that story change your relationship to it? What do you mean by that? Did you start to see your own personal history in a different light just by the virtue of having to repeat it? Oh yeah. Like did you feel did you feel distanced from it? Definitely. No, I feel very far from it. As as I'm saying, I can almost see the words come out of my mouth. I won't call the record a hit, but it was modestly successful. Alex pulled in high praise from the internet scenes, think pieces that dwelled on the timeliness of his aesthetic, but not necessarily the personal struggle beneath it. For Alex, the success just gave him more opportunities to travel. I think for me, touring is having the opportunity to go to like places that you never imagined you could go, you know? Three years ago, it was Europe. Extensive, short-stay touring, for those who've never done it, is both the greatest and worst thing imaginable. On the one hand, you're exposed to an overwhelming amount of new people and ideas, which can be stimulating, like it was for Alex. But when you're on the road for months on end, playing a character who is an amalgamation of yourself, your father, and the movies you love, not quite real and yet also not fake. I think it's very important to, to know the danger of playing with identities. In that process, you could really easily like lose yourself. And I did that during the release of Badlands and the construction of that character. By the winter of 2012, Alex had reached the end of his time in Canada. A relationship had fallen apart, He'd never really learned enough French to get along in Quebec. There are a lot of reasons, but they don't matter so much as the double album that they resulted in. 
there's a beautiful progression within the eight songs that compose the first part, Drifters. Alex begins with that cracked, sinister rockabilly he made his name on, but as the songs drift, there are fewer and fewer lyrics until Alex is singing in foreign languages before he goes silent altogether. He relocated to Berlin before finishing part two, a set of eight more instrumentals titled Love is the Devil. Quickly thereafter, he said, he lost himself completely in the eternal nightlife of Berlin. That kind of hedonistic lifestyle has its toll on you, like, eventually. This German friend of mine put it best, like, we're, we're at a club and it's like 10 a.m. And he just puts his hand on my shoulder and he looks at me and he says, Alex, the freedom here is nice, yeah? But it's not to be abused. And he smiled at me. Drifters, Love is the Devil landed at the end of spring 2013 to higher praise than Badlands and I missed out on it. That period of my life felt totally out of my control as I tried to figure out where I would go after graduation. I discovered the record last fall, long after everything had been settled and I'd moved back to Pennsylvania. I've always had a thing for albums that exceed the 70 minute mark, and I fell in love with that one, especially the drawn out sections like Alone at the Danube, or The Knocking, Creeping, Au Revoir Mon Visage. Drifters, Love is the Devil appeals to that part of me that feels displaced, that longs for the attendant darkness of old city streets. As I do, I wanted to talk to him about these things. I tried to get a conversation going as winter arrived, but Alex isn't the type of guy to worry about responding to an email or having an internet connection. By the end of February, I'd pretty much forgotten the whole thing as I slipped into my fourth blue period, listening to slowcore records almost exclusively. But then... I took the long route home from Philadelphia one night. Driving home from a friend's apartment in the heart of the city, I made an impromptu left onto 12th and followed it down through the neighborhood. In high school, I used to love hanging around the city. It felt like it belonged to me, and me to it. But since I moved home from Boston two years ago, I realized that Philadelphia is much bigger than I remember it. My drive took me past beautiful, gentrified brownstones and green little squares, into South Philadelphia, where the scenery gives way to block after block of squat, dark row houses, ones that have been in the same Italian families for decades. Twelfth bottoms out on Oregon Avenue. The buildings get more industrial, more run down, as you skirt the city limits toward the auto mall, a stretch of dealerships, junkyards, and strip clubs along a vast marshy field. In the distance, oil refineries burn through the night. This is the true heart of Philadelphia, the dirty part. The part that reminds me that just because my family has lived in the neighborhood for, oh, four generations, doesn't mean that I belong here any more than the kids who drag race and go caterwauling into lane dividers on cold nights. I was listening to Drifters, Love is the Devil. It reflects that boulevard and these moods that I get into where I just want to bash the city to pieces. 
I want to be able to disappear like I used to, to drive through it until I no longer recognize my surroundings. It is better to feel like a stranger in a strange land than a stranger in a place you know so well. I kept driving down the auto mall and then I realized that I no longer knew where I was. I turned a corner near some housing projects that glowed in the darkness and rose over a concrete drainage ditch on a bridge that seemed more beautiful than any of the cobblestone bridges I'd walked across in Europe. I was basking in the beauty of it all. And then I saw the CVS on the corner of 70th and Lindbergh Boulevard, and I knew exactly where I was. I can't get lost in this city if I try. But when I got home, I sent Alex another email, convinced that this time we could talk. Early in 2014, Alex resurfaced from a year of nightlife and another set of grueling tour dates to slow down in Lisbon. Because I was moving around so much, I literally felt nauseous, like seasick. Was that part of the reason why what came out of you were these droning tracks? Yeah, because they're kind of meditative and it has healing aspects to it, you know? Like when I listen to it, it heals me. While in Portugal, Alex put to tape his third record as Dirty Beaches, using a friend's studio in an abandoned office building along the waterfront. There's no electricity throughout the building except um, on the third floor. So the entire building is like pitch black. Um, I would have to use my phone to like turn on the flashlight and walk up these like wooden stairs that are really creepy, you know? <laughs> And the view is great, and it's, it's got these like big windows, and then when you open them, you oversee the bridge and the Tagus River. The bridge kind of looks like the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. <laughs> he recorded most of it after dark, while the mist was coming in. What's the city look like at night? It's really quiet, um, with like dim orange lights really old buildings that's like just crumbling and falling apart. I don't know, it's it's a really strange place. There's a lot of old ghosts, like their colonial past, kind of being ashamed of it, but not really. They're also like, that was the time when their country was in the most power. Much like what he recorded in Berlin for Love is the Devil, the new album was wordless. It's interesting that you recorded more instrumental records in these places that have like a, a very long defined history. Um, do you feel like working on these albums gave you like sort of a sense of your own personal history? Yeah, that's actually a, yeah, that's very good insight. Um, I definitely felt that way, you know? That city really made me realize that you have to, you have to move on, that you can't just linger on in, in the past. It is beautiful, you know, and Lisbon is very beautiful. But that's also part of the reason why so many people have left. The idea that a city or place can represent a person, and vice versa, is something that Alex shares with our first subject on stories about music, Phil Elverham. They're both in their mid-30s, but where Phil explores different parts of himself without leaving the region where he's lived most of his life, Alex, by contrast, has gone to the ends of the earth, just trying to put together one version of himself. And like Phil did a decade ago, Alex decided that the time had come to end a project that meant so much to him. You know, not to get into painful details, it's mostly just about trying to move on, 
and it's not about like forgetting the past it's like keeping that with you and then just venturing it on he named the final dirty beaches record stateless the four tracks are slow moving meditations like being adrift in a boat on a great wide ocean on the move between here and there the cover of the record is its own piece of art a photograph of hong kong that alex took while on tour the blue sky is framed by several enormous glass skyscrapers, which form a groundless canopy below. The earth, or anything like it, is out of sight. I don't know, it's just this kind of, like, a hologram, like, reflecting all these multiple different angles of reality and history. And my personal history is also reflected in that, you know? Like, when I look at that photo, it makes me feel like... Where the fuck am I supposed to be? Like, I look at those buildings and, like, where they come from. How do I fit in that? <laughs> do I want to be in that? No, I don't think so. Each place that Alex has gone, he's refined his identity just a little bit more with each stop. I guess for him, every time he goes somewhere else, that's sort of like like a confrontation with himself. He, he talked about the mirror. When you go to a different place, there's sort of this mirror that reflects things on you, and you have to be willing to see them. In case you forgot about her, this is Lorena, who's been quietly holding the microphone the whole time. That confrontation and that um, sort of realization that there's things beyond how you grew up or where you grew up, I felt that when I moved to the U.S. One thing that I didn't expect to happen when I asked Alex for an interview was to learn more about Lorena. I was wrong, by the way, when I said that both Lorena and I grew up in pure bubbles of ethnic majority. That is mostly true, but when she was 12, Lorena's family moved from Venezuela to North Carolina for six months. Her short time there might sound familiar to just about anybody who's had to change schools at a young age, but with the added stress that she wasn't just moving from one state over. I remember the first day, I sort of arrived a little bit later, and someone brought me to like math class, and they introduced me as a new student. And no one even looked up from their desk to look at me in the eye. And I thought that was, that just, my heart sank. And then I went into the dining room and I remember I was super shocked that every table was so clearly defined. Like there was a table of punk kids, there was a table of cheerleaders, there was a table of nerds, there was, and everyone was just so segregated into their group. And I had no idea which group I should be a part of. And yet, when they returned to Caracas, Lorena didn't really feel particularly Venezuelan, either. I went to a very small school. In general, the people I met were kids that were more interested in going to parties and getting drunk and socializing and, and who knew who and the sort of social games. And, you know, my dad had a bookstore growing up, so I would spend every weekend reading books and not going to parties. And I just felt like... I was a weird nerd, you know? I am suddenly, uncomfortably, aware of just how little I actually know about Lorena. Before I sent her to meet Alex, I can't say that Lorena and I had spoken in close to two years. And even then, the longest conversation I can remember us having alone was about a song that her ex-boyfriend wrote about her in 2012. But I am starting to realize that I should have asked her more about herself when I had her in front of me because her mindset about where she came from and where she ended up just feels so familiar. For me, once I was 18, it was 
shockingly easy to come to the U.S., and I never felt even homesick. When I moved away for college, I felt like I was cutting off a tail that I had outgrown the need for. I quickly formed this idea that no person should go their whole life living in the same place. And now that I think about it, I can understand why most of my family thinks that I'm a condescending jackass. My parents, my grandparents, my aunts and uncles, at least 95% of my family has never lived outside the Delaware Valley. In retrospect, my hypothesis probably says a lot more about my own thoughts of what a life well-lived means. But in Lorena, I see that part of me reflected. I don't know, it's kind of weird to feel like I have this urge to always keep moving because I've never really found the place that I feel totally comfortable. Like, I don't feel totally comfortable home. I don't feel totally comfortable here. So I think for Alex, it's the same case that it's a little bit like you're a foreigner wherever you are because you don't feel like your identity really matches anywhere. I picked Lorena to be my tape sinker, not just because she has experience doing sound from college, but because she was the only person who I emailed who was also a fan of Alex's work. I really liked Dirty Beaches, but I had never taken the time really to look into his personal life or voice as an artist. Like I had just listened to his music and loved it. Um, it wasn't actually until a couple days ago when I knew I would, this was going to happen that I sort of like looked into his blog and read some of the things he was thinking about and some of his poetry. And I realized that this was a big theme for him. An op-ed in the New York Times last month called 2015, the year that identity politics took center stage. The year that we started asking ourselves, who do we think we are? But I think it's possible that everything that's been in the news lately, protests over racial inequality, the European migration crisis, Donald Trump's fear-mongering nativism, they could also boil down into a similar but different question. The same question that Alex, Lorena, and I have been asking ourselves. Where do I belong? When you live in the same general area your whole life, the answer to that question feels easy. But the more of the world you see, the smaller you realize you are, the less certain your identity feels. Lorena got a small dose of it when she was 12. I didn't see it until I was in college. But Alex, Alex has had to live with it since he was eight and his Chinese family left Taiwan for North America. I, I thought something was really funny that I wanted to mention that he said that he felt like he didn't have an identity because people, I know I've never met someone that's willing to say that. Like that seems like such a self-deprecating thing to say. Like I, I thought it was interesting. That was his conception of himself. Whereas me as a stranger, I felt total contrary. I know that for me and maybe for Lorena too, the failure to figure out who we are, where we belong, is the most frightening thing in the world. That, almost on accident, we could find ourselves living in some godforsaken place like Akron, Ohio, without an inkling of how we got there. But for Alex, after Lisbon, none of that seemed to matter to him anymore. I'll tell people in Europe I have a Canadian passport, that I'm from Canada, when they ask me where I'm from, but they always want to know, like, but where are you really from? And I'm like, what do you mean by that? I just told you where, I, where I'm from. <laughs> and they're like, no, where, where are your parents from? And I'm like, oh, you mean my ethnicity? They're like, yeah. And I say Chinese. And then they're like, oh, so you're from China. And I'm like, no, I just told you where I grew up. And <laughs> I was not born in China. Uh, I'd like to be, but I was not. <laughs> so I can't claim that. <laughs> and I go to China and people are like, oh, you're American. And I'm like, no, I'm Chinese. And they're like, no, you're American. I can smell it from you. 
<laughs> look at the way you dress. Look at the way you talk. You're American. So I'm kind of fucked on either side, you know. <laughs> and yet, without putting Alex in a box, which is something that he really doesn't like, I want to say that he is definitely, unequivocally, a North American. I would even go so far as to say that Alex is a red-blooded U.S. citizen, if not legally, and at least in the way that he thinks. To me, like, the American dream is not forgetting where you come from, but also not trying to, like, trade one identity for another, you know, which you see a lot in America or in Canada, where people come here and they just kind of want to erase that identity. For me, like, the American dream is not about that. The American dream is recognizing where you like point a recognizing and accepting point a and then arriving in point b and then not worrying about the authenticity of you know being between those two points and then creating a third point of identity which is kind of to like declare fuck you you can't define me you know establishing that third point is really important in my identity is there a way that you could possibly define that third point? That is the whole point, isn't it? You know? Yeah. It's like it's it's more just about defying definition than actually trying to be defined. Alright, Alex. Thank you so much. Um give Warren and my thanks again. Cheers. You as well, Ben. Oof. That was a long one. I hung up and watched the trees in the wind outside for a while. Lorena and Alex had some water, chatted for a bit longer, I don't know about what, and then she packed up and went home. The traffic was really insane and it was sort of, the sun was coming down so the sky was just beautiful colors and I was listening to his latest Dirty Beaches album and I just, I don't know, I respected him so much and the music just meant more for me at that point and the car is a good opportunity to be contemplative and sort of hide within yourself so that was just it was a really nice experience of his music what were you thinking about mm, i guess everything and nothing just like specific things about my life but also my mind was also wandering a lot mine was too there are so many things to think about once you finish an interview. Like, how did it go? What was a good moment that I can pull out of it? Was that wind that I heard on the phone going to be on the mic too? But I also thought about Lorena and the unique position that she's in that made her so perfect to send in for this interview. Venezuela, like, like our particular country, is going through a huge exodus right now. So this sense of displacement is something that a lot of Venezuelans feel. When I go home... There's so many people that have left and so many people that are visiting. And this is the sense of being here and not being here. It's something that I can share with other people, which is, it's such a strange thing. I was honest to God worried about this interview before and even during the first few minutes of it. Alex seems so intimidating, mostly because his music sounds like it'll be on while I'm getting my teeth knocked out in a bar fight. But Lorena brought in this whole different side of the work that I don't think I could have gotten on my own. He came across as a person that's willing to experience things and to change his opinion and to be uncomfortable. 
Do you feel like that is a good description of you? I would want to be more like that, but I think I have a tendency to have more like dogmatic um, approaches to my life. Like I felt like he could he could leave tomorrow and move to a different country and be totally fine, unfazed. Whereas I feel like I would want to be like that, but I don't have that sort of freedom. What do you think is uh, keeping you moored? I guess it's always fear. It's just the fear of of the unknown, of feeling like, you know, life could get out of your hands. And in a way, I shouldn't feel that way because the moment where my life was most out of my hands when I moved to Boston for the first time, it ended up being the most wonderful change in my life. You know, if I could do this over again, I would have just sent you there with a microphone and a couple of topics to hit and just let you do the whole thing. I think it worked out really well, though. I was happy to sort of be like this invisible listener. Music, like traveling, is a mirror. And the reflections that Dirty Beach has created for me when I took my night drive out of Philadelphia are still there. But now when I listen to Alex's music, I can also see my friend much more clearly. In the months since our interview with Alex, Lorena and I kept in touch. Sporadically, but more than we have before. Not long after, she got a fellowship with a research center in Italy and left the United States before her visa expired to go traveling with her sister. Spring slid into summer, and I began to edit down the audio that I'd collected into radio stories. I felt lucky for the way that this whole thing worked out, because without Lorena, I wouldn't have had a chance to get Alex for an interview, or see a deeper side of what journalists have only been able to skirt the surface of. But also, if it weren't for Alex and for Dirty Beaches, Lorena would have stayed a distant acquaintance, someone I could just be jealous of when I saw photos of her living out my dream life in Europe. And without either of them, I don't know if what happened next would have. I had a moment this summer at a party with that great big family of mine. I realized that I am from this place, of this place, but that the place is not me. I walked outside. It was starting to get dark, and I felt happy. I became part of the evening, the fireflies rising off lawns up and down the block. Soon, I will leave. But first, I want to show you how I ended up here. Alex Hungtai lives in Los Angeles. His new project is Last Lizard, and you can find some early demos on SoundCloud under Last Lizard 808. He is also on Twitter and Instagram under Last Lizard 808. This month, Lorena moved to Treviso, Italy to begin her fellowship at Fabrica of Communications Research Institute. We wish her the best of luck. Her work is available at LorenaAlvarado.com. Our show was produced today by myself with help from Lorena and edited and approved by Kenna Doles and John Davies. All songs in this episode were written and recorded by Alex under the name Dirty Beaches, except for one or two. Links and a list of what we used can be found at our website, investigatingregionalscenes.org. And if you haven't already, please follow Stories About Music using your local podcast provider. It might be a little early in our relationship to take this step, but if you like what we've been doing so far, leave us a rating on the iTunes Music Store. If you've got the time and inclination, you can also write a review. Now that's not necessary. If you or a loved one have your own story about music, please email me at brendan at investigatingregionalscenes.org. 
Thank you to Alex and Lorena, and thank you also to Michaela for her patience. My name is Brendan Maddox, and I'll be back next week, for real this time, with another story about music. next time on stories about music. So, um, during a reporting trip to Akron, I find my own mirror in the music of trouble books. How'd you guys meet? Uh, we met through friends at a uh, house show a few blocks from here. Finally sunlight caffeine cut through the clouds. My morning slowly sputters and gets off the ground. the attraction immediate no <laughs> no i was out of my mind at that house <laughs> uh it was my birthday